0: The star on the man's vest was still new, because he had only been the sheriff for a short time. Before he moved to Big Rock to become their sheriff, Monty Carson had ridden the outlaw trail. It was mostly down in Texas, and most of the money he stole was from the carpetbaggers and reconstructionists, who were taxing the ranchers and farmers to the point that more and more of them were having to sell out. He was good with a gun, too, and had demonstrated that skill many times, though almost always with someone who was also on the outlaw trail. The only exceptions had been when he killed Marcus Chardine, a bounty hunter who was looking to take a dead Carson in for the reward, and Lou Bona, who six months later tried to do the same thing. Carson looked at the telegram he had received just this morning. "'Drew Culpepper and Martin Dingle, believed to be headed for Big Rock. Stop. Both men wanted for murder. Stop. Carson knew Culpepper. He had had a run-in with him two months earlier. Then it had been for getting drunk and throwing a rock through the front window of Murchison's Leather Goods store, a dispute over a pair of saddlebags.' Carson had forced Culpepper to pay for the damages, and Culpepper, before he left town, had uttered some threat about getting even. Carson didn't know Martin Dingle, and had never even heard of him. Laying the telegram aside, the sheriff walked over to the stove, and using a rag to protect against the heat, picked up the blue steel pot to pour himself a cup of coffee. He drank it black simply because it was easier that way. And, holding the cup in his hand, he walked over to look through the front window, out onto Front Street. He blew into the coffee to cool it a bit, before taking his first swallow. Big Rock was a bustling town, primarily because of the gold mines in the area. When Smoke, Preacher, and Jackson rode into town, They were treated to the sight of new buildings being erected, and the air was rent with the sounds of saws and hammers. There was a sawmill on the outer edge of town, and the ear-splitting screech of its steam-powered circular saw could be heard all over town. There were freight wagons moving up and down the streets, and the boardwalks on each side of the street filled with people conducting commerce. "'Coach coming in! Coach coming in!' Someone shouted, and looking around, Smoke saw a team of six horses coming into town at a gallop. The stagecoach behind the team was rocking left and right, as it was pulled at a rapid pace north, up Tanner Street. Surely he didn't run that team like that out on the road, John asked. Preacher chuckled. No, they just like to make a point of arriving and leaving at a gallop he said. It calls attention to them, and makes some people think that maybe the whole trip is fast like that. They passed the Delmonico Cafe. Now that's where we'll eat after we have us a few beers, Preacher said. Ain't no finer cafe in all of Colorado. Of Course I ain't at an ever cafe in Colorado. The three men stopped in front of Longmont's saloon. Preacher and Smoke dismounted, but John remained in his saddle. I appreciate what you men are doing, John said, and while I can buy my own beer, I'm not so sure I should be wasting money by eating in a restaurant, especially if I'm going to have to buy a pack mule. Don't you be worrying none about that, Preacher said. When we take a feller in, he becomes our partner. We ain't gonna let you go thirsty, or hungry, or without a mule. We'll be buying all that we need, Smoke said, and you won't be beholden to anyone. This is just the way we are out here. I shall be in your debt then, and I fully intend to discharge that debt at my earliest opportunity, John insisted. I have no doubt but that she will, Smoke replied with a friendly...